Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Sunday evening. We are now into the NCAA tournament, well into it. We are down with two rounds, with two to go, and hope you uh, will find a way. I I hope you've been enjoying the tournament at this point. It has been an outstanding one to this point, and there's a lot to talk about throughout the tournament. Uh, On the women's side, it might have been the surprise of the lack of maybe upsets or or, um, big big wins, big losses. Hard to say. Just two hosts lost. One on the opening night, Christopher Newport over over Gettysburg, and one the second night. And really, to be honest with you, that I don't think was shocking to people. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, I maybe I'm the one who's more surprised by the. I expected a little bit more turmoil on the women's side. Now, granted, we nearly got it. Uh, Thomas Moore was on the ropes with trying. First half was. Ugly. Uh, I'm amazed Thomas Moore had 21 points at halftime. They were down bigger at the end of the first quarter. And then they opened up a can in the third quarter and out, I just annihilated trying. And I feel bad for trying because that was just insane uh, to say the least. But and we got a couple other interesting games on the women's side that you know nearly went in an upset fashion. Listen, there were some games that didn't surprise me whatsoever. There were some games that that you know could be considered an upset maybe and didn't surprise me. But you know, you start in that upper left, trying their win over Emory in a great game. Emory nearly pulled it off, but they couldn't get past Thomas Moore in the second half. Transylvania played well against Piedmont. Oglethorpe played really well against Chicago. That might have been one of those upsets you could have certainly pointed towards. But then Transylvania absolutely owned Oglethorpe the entire second half. I'm sorry, the entire game. The other um, home team to lose, in the, and it happened in the second round, was Texas-Dallas. They beat Texas Lutheran in a pretty good game the first night. Mary Harden-Baylor got past Rhodes rather easily, and then Mary Harden-Baylor ends up getting past Texas-Dallas in a rematch of the conference championship game that went the other direction. There was somebody talking about how uh, Mary Hunt Baylor had gotten screwed in that hosting situation. Listen, when you lose your conference championship game to Texas-Dallas in a rather even match otherwise or even even criteria, that's going to Texas-Dallas. No surprise there, but Mary Hunt Baylor exact that revenge. And then WashU had a great weekend, got past Whitewater surprisingly easier than I thought it would be. And then took on George Fox and and played well against George Fox. Defeated the eighth-ranked Bruins to move on in the tournament. Really impressed with how that turned out. They will take on Mary Harden-Baylor. Transylvania will take on Thomas Moore, those games at Thomas Moore. In the lower left, Scranton got past New England College. No surprise. Johns Hopkins passed Eastern Connecticut. Really good win for the Blue Jays. And then went toe-for-toe with Scranton. And at one point, I thought they were going to beat Scranton. I, I really did. Um, I thought Scranton was in a little bit of trouble at one point when Hopkins kind of came running back at them and hats off to Scranton, held them off, did what they needed to do and ended up beating, um, Scranton, uh, beating Johns Hopkins. So Scranton moving on Christopher Newport. We mentioned earlier, beat Gettysburg in a behemoth of a game in the first round. That was a great back and forth game. Mount St. Mary and Westfield state had a tremendous game in the first round as well. Unfortunately, it went Mount St. Mary's way, and I would argue it went their way because Westfield State doesn't normally have to deal with running uh, half-court offenses and running set plays late in games. Uh, Mount St. Mary then got blown off the court by Christopher Newport. 
Messiah got past Hilbert, and, and Hilbert was tight there for a little bit, and then Messiah kept them uh, a distance. Baldwin Wallace had a great win over Rochester Tech in a really good back-and-forth game. And then Messiah got past a really good Baldwin-Wallace squad. That was a good game for Baldwin-Wallace. Messiah just showed to be a little bit stronger in the end. Haverford-Rosemont wasn't a game, unfortunately. Feel bad for the Ravens. Tufts-Western New England certainly wasn't a game either. But Haverford gave Tufts all it could handle. I'll admit, I'm I'm uh, slightly surprised Tufts won that because I thought Bobby Morgan and her squad had Tufts' number, and Tufts ends up surviving. They all go to Scranton now. Christopher Newport will take on Scranton in another mid-Atlantic battle, and Messiah will take on Tufts. There's three mid-Atlantics in that pod. You certainly wish that could have been changed up a little bit. St. Thomas got past Ripon, Illinois Wesleyan. To me, no surprise, they lost to Wisconsin Lutheran. I liked Wisconsin Lutheran, and to be honest, they gave St. Thomas a bit of a game before the, before the Tommies won by 18. Amherst, good weekend, got past Husson rather easily. Geneseo and Vassar, that ended up it being a really good game until about early in the fourth quarter, and then Geneseo caught fire, and that game was over, beating Vassar. Uh, and, and then gave Amherst a good game, but Amherst just a little bit more experience, a little bit more talent there on in that game. Oshkosh, good weekend, got past Pomona Pitzer, I think surprisingly easily. I thought Pomona Pitzer would be a tougher matchup. DePaul and Loris put on a good game, but DePaul was just too strong an opponent. And then Oshkosh and DePaul came right down to the end. Great battle there. Oshkosh, the victors. I, Wartburg blitzed Bethany Lutheran and then blitzed Hope. Did not see that coming. Uh, 79-49, and the game wasn't even that close. And that's after Hope got past Wheaton. Wartburg is on a tear right now. They'll take on Oshkosh. Amherst will take on St. Thomas. That Those games in St. Paul. You know what? The way I was watching it, I think Wartburg comes out of that grouping. Just the way Wartburg's playing right now is scary good. DeSales got past Shenandoah, so, so not surprisingly easily, because Shenandoah, again, an eight seed in the ODAC, not surprised there. Middlebury got past John Carroll in a really fun game. And then DeSales absolutely held Middlebury. A really impressive win by the Bulldogs. Uh, St. Joseph's of Maine got past MIT. I thought that was a really good win, and I thought it would show St. Joseph's was going to be the better team. Ithaca did not look good against SUNY IT. Different game against St. Joseph's, though. St. Joseph's nearly came back. Uh, they got within single digits on Ithaca, who had controlled most of the game. Ithaca ended up winning. New Paltz looks really good right now, folks. Defeated Rutgers-Newark easily. Defeated Emmanuel more than easily. Uh, Bowden on the other side uh, had to deal with Smith. Smith nearly pulled off the upset themselves. But it's New Paltz versus Bowden, DeSales versus Ithaca in Brunswick, Maine. And I'll be honest with you, don't sleep on New Paltz. Outstanding women's bracket. On the men's side, Whitman looked great against Texas Lutheran. It was too easy. Pomona Pitzer destroyed Texas Dallas, who only put up 37 points. Shocking result there. Not that Pomona Pitzer isn't good, but that Texas Dallas just wasn't in it. And then Pomona Pitzer kind of gave Whitman a game, but Whitman ended up holding on to that near the end. I, Whitman is just a much better team playing much better basketball right now. Williams got past Husson rather easily. I'm not surprised there. Gwen and Mercy with the upset of Plattsburgh. The men's side full of full of upsets. Really impressed with Gwen and Mercy. Uh, but they, were, they weren't the match for Williams. Williams is finally playing well after struggling down the stretch, but they now have to take on Whitman. In the meantime, Christopher Newport easily handled Albertus Magnus, which surprised me. Alfred with the big upset of Ramapo. Hats off to the Saxons on a big win there. They didn't have enough firepower to take on 
uh, Christopher Newport. Hamilton got past Penn State Barron and only in the final minute. Penn State Barron was about to pull off a huge upset when Hamilton finally got their ducks in a row and figured it out, took out Barron. Moravian passed Keene State. Really impressive win for Moravian, but then Hamilton got them somewhat easily. This all goes to Clinton, New York. We can talk later in the show about this, but there's no surprise here, and nobody should be surprised. I understand Whitman's the number two team in the country, but they got three teams that fly to Walla Walla, Washington in the first weekend. They can't be affording to fly three more teams to Walla Walla, Washington in the second weekend, on top of the fact we already have two, three, or four other flights in this in this tournament. We've, we're spending enough money in this bracket. It I get that no one likes it talked about money, but Whitman got the first weekend. I'm not surprised they're traveling the second weekend. They head to upstate New York and Clinton. Amherst looked uh, had a bit of a game with Rosemont, pulled out in the second half, but Rosemont had them for about two and a half quarters. Um, Rochester looked good against Farmingdale State, and Amherst and Rochester had a great game at the Palestra. Fun to watch if you tuned in. Um, Rowan looked great against Emerson. Nichols and Middlebury had a dandy of a first-round game, and how good did Nichols look against Rowan? Uh, two very similar teams there, and Nichols, watch out. If you're Amherst, you've got to watch out for Nichols. Swarthmore gets past Mitchell easily. MIT gets past Skidmore surprisingly easily. And then Swarthmore shot the lights out of the building. You feel bad for MIT because they played well. They played well, but Swarthmore was on another page. Put up 105 points and they coasted into the end for a 40-point win that could have been 50 or 60. Randolph-Macon got past Morrisville State in a ho-hum game. York got past the sales. Uh, surprisingly easily. Uh, nothing against uh, York. I just thought DeSales would put up a bigger fight. Uh, Randolph-Macon had to deal with York. York came back on him several times, and Randolph-Macon comes out with that. That's all going to Amherst. No surprise there. Nichols will take on Amherst. Again, watch out, Mammoths. Swarthmore-Randolph-Macon's an interesting X's and O's game. I think Swarthmore is now set up better than I thought to get to the Final Four, but so does Amherst, so is Nichols. That's going to be a fascinating Final Four. Randolph Macon's got a chance. Of course, the upset of the night came in the second, or upset of the tournament came in the second round. St. Thomas got past Lacrosse, no surprise. Nebraska Wesleyan got past Eureka, no surprise. But then St. Thomas had Nebraska Wesleyan on the ropes most of the game, ends up defeating the defending champs 70 to 58. John Towers got a heck of a squad there in the Tommies, and they knocked off the defending champs. We will have a new champ on the men's side. On Guilford got past Swanee, then got past Wittenberg in a great game. Hats off to the Quakers on a well-played game. Oshkosh got past Lake Forest and Northwestern with the upset of St. John's. The UMAC has got the Mayax number in the tournament. You got to ha- give credit to Northwestern, who has done this before. And then it ended when Oshkosh got a hold of them, 108-86. Uh, Northwestern just didn't have the firepower to pull off what they did a couple of years ago. North Central got past Chatham. Chatham didn't really put up much of a fight, unfortunately. Loris got past Albion, not surprisingly there, but Loris over North Central in a game that Loris controlled most of the way. Some will complain about officiating. I'll tell you right now, adjust. You didn't adjust, uh, and uh, North Central needed to, to figure that one out, and Loris continues to be giant killers. Augustana got past Aurora. Capital got past Platteville in overtime in one of the best games of the tournament so far, back and forth. And then Augustana and Capital went back and forth. Good game there at Rock Island. Worcester passed Baruch, surprisingly not as close as I thought it would be. Wheaton got past Hanover, and that was a good game as well. 
and then Wheaton took it to Worcester. I was really impressed with Wheaton. Uh, it wasn't the Aston Francis show at one point, and then it was the Aston Francis show. And then Mar- Mar- Marietta getting past Maryville. I'm impressed with Marietta getting past Maryville, especially 101-77, because I was a little worried that was an upset in the making. Arcadia did pull off the upset against New Jersey City. We're going to have to talk about the NJAC again now. One and two in the opening weekend. Um, or really, sorry, two and two in the uh, one and three in the opening weekend. Two of their three losing on the opening game. But hats off to Arcadia. Really well-played game against New Jersey City. And then Marietta, they put up a fight against Marietta, too. But Marietta ends up prevailing. And Oswego wins against Salem State and then knocks off a really good Baldwin-Wallace squad. That game went to overtime. That was another dandy of a game in the tournament. And they're all going to Rock Island. Augustan will take on Wheaton. Marietta takes on Oswego. Of course, up in Oshkosh, it'll be St. Thomas and Guilford, Oshkosh and Loris. It's an outstanding opening weekend to the tournament. So much to talk about. It was fun to, to, to cover here from Tournament Central on the whip around with Ryan and, and Scott. Or Ryan and Scott. Ryan Scott and Gordon Mann. Uh, Jake says, Dave, when Mark Mitchell took his three studs with him to St. Peter's DeSales, winning the MAC was a done deal. After you beat DeSales two out of three times last year, I would have loved to see those teams play three times this year. I agree. I think it definitely changed it up for DeSales, but I think DeSales as a team is better this year than they were last year. That would have definitely been more of a, uh, a fascinating matchup. It would have made the MAC freedom a little bit more interesting, though you also had Misericordia and Manhattanville. All those teams were playing well before they got into conference play. You mix back in FDU Florham, though I think FDU Florham had a little bit of issues going on, but hats off to the sales. I, I, I think this the sales team is better than the Sweet 16 team we saw a few years ago. So there you go. Mark says, hey, Dave, Guilford fan here. Women out, but men are kicking it. It's fun time. It is a fun time. So Speaking of Guilford and speaking of DeSales, you probably are interested to know who we got on the show. If you haven't seen the front page yet or seen the show page, in a moment here we'll talk to Mike Schauer, the head coach of Wheaton Men's Basketball. Uh, Talk to him about the Aston Francis show. He's also a member of the National Committee, so we'll talk to him about the experience of that all. Tom Palumbo will join us from Guilford, talk about the fact that they won at home against Wittenberg and now the fact that they're heading out to the upper Midwest. Randy Henderson from uh, Wash U will join us to talk about her Bears. Fred Richter will join us from the number 15th ranked DeSales women's team to talk about his Bulldogs. Bill Broderick will join us from Christopher Newport to talk about the captains and maybe the fact that they're flying under the radar. And then Dave Hickson will join us to talk about the number 7th-ranked Mammoths of Amherst. It is a jam-packed show. You can tell by my tempo that we are moving because we got to keep this show moving, to keep this show within two hours. Uh, Lance says, go Augustana. Yeah, go Augustana. Really looking good right now, though. Uh, I'm kind of also glad I changed my number one vote. I'm one of four player people who still have my number one team still in the tournament in Whitman. Everybody else stayed with Nebraska Wesleyan, who I thought might have been just a little bit sliding near the end of the season, and it looks like they did. There's certainly more to talk about. We'll talk about hosting on this show and and more. We'll answer your questions. You can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, and you can join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the show as well. As Gregory says, bison are rolling. You're right. Nickels looking good. We'll take a break. When we come back, Wheaton men's basketball. They talk about the tournament, talk about being one of two CCIW teams still alive on the men's side. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by T3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. Big shots. Big dunks. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. 
The 2019 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum Arena in Fort Wayne. With his third triple. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and secure your seats today. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbine. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here from the WBCA NABC studios. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. If you've got questions for us or our guests, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D, or dave.mchugh at d3sports.com. I apologize. The Hoopsville one has been acting up, so we've gotten away from it. Uh, you can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the show. You can ask your questions there. You can also ask them on our YouTube page as well. Hope everybody's enjoying the time of the season because it is a blast. At the beginning or before the break, I mentioned there were two CCIW teams still remaining in the NCAA tournament. Well, after Friday night, that will be down to one. We're guaranteed that. That's because the two will face off in the Sweet 16. It is Augustana versus uh, Wheaton on the men's side. Of course, Wheaton brings in Aston Francis, who's been fun to watch all season, but there's more pieces to that than just Aston Francis, and that's why they're where they are. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the Wheaton Thunder. It is Mike Schauer. And, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join us here tonight. My pleasure, Dave. Thank you. Now that we've got you, I've got all these questions about the National Committee. I'm just kidding. We're, we won't. <laughs> As Sam does a good job. We don't need to dive into that, though we will ask you about the experience later. But let's talk about this season. It's been fits and famines to some degree. Obviously, let's start with the weekend. You get past Hanover in an 11-point win. You then have to play at Worcester in one of the more difficult places to, to face off against a home team in the NCAA tournament. And you guys, I wouldn't say we're in control of the game, but you did seem to feel like in the second half we're doing what you wanted to do. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a it's an extraordinarily difficult place to play. I mean, Worcester is very, very good. Obviously, um, to say they're well-coached would be an understatement, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he is, you know, he's a Hall of Famer at our level by any measure. And so, um, but, you know, I think one of the big things is I said this going into the game to our team. I said it uh, afterwards to, to the press stuff. You know, given the, the schedule we play, the conference we play in, and then to we try to play a, a pretty you know competitive non-conference schedule, I told our team this is just another difficult CCIW road game. That's the equivalent of what we're experiencing. So as, as difficult it is and as good as Worcester is, this is, this is the equivalent of at North Central, at Illinois Wesleyan, at Augustana. This year at Platteville, a year ago we were at Whitworth. So I, don't, I knew my team wouldn't be phased by the environment or the experience or the, or the opponent. Um, you know, our biggest problem is they're really good. And, uh, but I was pleased. I thought our team really battled. We really defended. And I appreciate your comments going into this. You know, Aston gets so much attention, and he should. He's a really uniquely special offensive player. But we are, we are more than that in the sense that you know, we've been a pretty good defensive team all year. Um, Luke Peters is as good a defensive guard as I've coached. And, uh, and so we do a lot of different things. He, he draws the headlines because of the numbers he puts up. But I thought the game against Wooster was really indicative of our season at, at its best, meaning we got a lot of contributions from a lot of people, not all of which show up in a stat sheet. Well, and that's the thing. As you look at the box score, Mike, it's 43 points for Ashton with, on, on 13 of 33 shooting, five from uh, Paisley, 5 of 18 from beyond the arc, uh, with 12 rebounds. And the next highest guy is off the bench at Luke Anthony with nine. You've got a handful of guys at six. And if you do look at the box score, it's like, okay, it's Aston Francis and everybody else. But I vividly remember Ryan Scott in the whip around last night say, you know, at halftime, it's this. You know, Francis is he's got this, or you know, they've got this. You asked him at fourteen points. Your your next guy was six points was Anthony. And his point was there's other guys contributing right now. It doesn't have to be Francis. It ended up being Francis. He put up forty three. But you guys didn't need him all the time. That said, I famously said, as Wheaton goes, as does or as Aston Francis goes, as goes Wheaton, you're at a point now where you need to find those other options offensively if anybody wants to shut down Francis. How difficult is that, or are we just not seeing it? No, I mean, it's a fair statement. Obviously, his, you just have to look at our box, our bo- seasonal box score to realize we're, we're pretty yeah. dependent on him offensively. Just right? I mean, there's bit. no argument to be made <laughs> against that. But I do think, um, you know, if you go back to individual games, we, we, we usually get another guy or two close to that double-figure uh, mark. And so we do get shots for other guys. I mean, people who follow us closely know the last, the last couple of weeks or so, a lot of our biggest shots have actually been made by Luke Anthony, um, which, which we run a lot of stuff to him in, in those moments. And he's a, an exceptional shooter in his own right. And because of how teams play Aston, I, I know that if I, we can get shots for other guys when we want to because the, you know, he draws so much attention. So um, I feel like our guys um, – you know, are more than comfortable to to be in a situation where they've got to score some. Um, it's just a, it's just a matter of making sure we get those guys enough shots without you know taking away from. You know, I mean, I, I've coached a long time. I've never coached somebody who can score at the pace Aston can, and yeah. so you don't want to go away from it too long, right? Uh, right. I mean, eventually you're going to come back to it because he's got an ability to get to get going at a level that 
uh, honestly, in 26 years, I've never seen anybody else do. And so you're going to go back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that constant balance. And to be honest with you, Dave, it's been a challenge for, for me all year and really <laughs> all three of Aston's seasons to try to find that balance and help my team find that. Now, the good news for everybody out there is this is it. He's, he's done after this season. <laughs> well, not everybody. <laughs> well, I would love to have him for another year. I was talking about everybody else. <laughs> um, 33 points a game is what he's averaging. Eight and a half is Luke Peter. Uh, 8.1 is Luke Anthony. You're, you're taking on Augustana in the next round. Uh, tell, you know, let's talk about a program you, you don't know. Um, obviously, you know them well. You lost to them back on the 16th. You lost to them on the, on the January. You lost to them on the 6th of February. Oh, and you lost to them. Early. I mean, they've got your number, but they've been tight games. It's not like these games have been um, something we haven't been able to, 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 to look at and see how dandy they can be. But you've got to play at their place. Is there anything you can take from the earlier two games at this point in time? Can you lean on those games and, and learn something? Or has it gotten to a point where it's fresh now and it's new and you're going to have to do something different? Well, actually, this will sound like a tremendously political answer. I think it's both, <laughs> right? I, I'm okay. going to go right down the middle. I think it's a little bit of both, meaning there is – there is stuff to take from the fact we've played them before. And the simple thing to take from them is we believe we can beat them. Mm-hmm. Now, we, you know, if you look over the course of the last few years, most of our games with Augustana have, have gone to the wire-ish. Yeah. We've, been, we've been there with a chance to win, won the one game a year ago there. Um, we feel like we're going to give ourselves a chance to beat them. Uh, they're obviously tremendous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, um, but, but on the road in any game this time of year, you want to give yourselves a chance to win. And I, I think we're going to do that. That's, that's not an overconfident statement. We've played them pretty sure. tough and, and feel comfortable with that. You know, that being said, I told my team as we got off the bus today coming back from, uh, from Ohio, hey, you know, we, this isn't another CCIW game. We're gonna, it's an NCAA tournament mm. game. So I want to keep it fresh. We're going to approach them um, like we would if we didn't know them. Uh, so we're going to approach okay. it the same way and, and, and build our – our scouts and everything as if we, we were playing the same way we did Hanover and try to try to really present it more as the NCAA tournament game and, and try to find some enthusiasm and, and excitement from there. Obviously, there'll be a few, a few dots and uh, I's dotted and T's crossed that we've already done because <laughs> yeah. we know them so well and they know us so well. But um, it, it, isn't, it isn't the February CCAW game. It's, a, it's an NCAA tournament game now. And so I want my team to feel the excitement of that. Sometimes when you play a a known opponent in the NCAA tournament or at a known location, it can take a little yeah. bit of the edge off of that. I don't want that to happen. I want my team to, to really enjoy what we're doing and, and have an excitement about it. But with that in mind, and it's a great strategy, how do you make sure that they are focused like that and they're not going, okay, yeah, we know Augustana, and glaze over what you're trying to accomplish in that? Yeah, I don't think they will. I mean, you know, I think this time of year, you're one of 16 teams still playing. There's an yeah. enthusiasm and an excitement that sort of naturally lends itself to it. Um, and, and to be honest with you, our guys are excited for the challenge to play Augustana. We've got great respect for them. I mm-hmm. mean, if we didn't have to play them, they're, they're one of my favorite teams to watch play. Mm. Um, they're just full of kids who win and are tough and, and play the game the way we as coaches want you to play. And um, so I really, but our guys, you know, our guys are excited for another opportunity. When the bracket came out, we, you know, we'd be lying if we didn't say, hey, what a great opportunity mm. it would be to, to get to play them again in Rock Island. And we knew if they advanced, it was, you know, likely, not, not a given, but a likely that they would host, depending upon what happened in sure. the, other, the other pod. So we're looking forward to it. I don't think there'll be any, 
I think my guys, I'm actually probably worried to the other extreme that they, they probably get a little too emotional about the opportunity sure. and find ways for them to just enjoy the, the challenge and the opportunity. Makes sense. Um, what is it about Augustana you think you got, and I'm not looking any coach on the air, I don't look for you guys to break down X's and O's to give things away, but what do you see in Augustana you think you can exploit? How do you hope to maybe get Francis free, as it were, uh, et, cetera, et cetera? What do you see in this game that you guys think you can maybe do to win? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I don't. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to reveal a whole lot no. about how we're, we're going to try to get Aston. <laughs> Give me it open. all, Mike. Uh, uh, <laughs> we, uh, you know, we've got to come up with new ways almost every night for him because okay. we see so many. I mean, I I've never seen teams attempt the the variety of things teams do defensively with him, and so we we kind of have uh, built up all sorts of different options to to try to help get him some shots. Because, like I said, even you got to go back to him. I mean, he he is such a gifted offensive player. I don't know that there's a single thing I would say we can exploit against Augustana. We we feel like we've scored against them at a rate higher than most um, teams have done. And the big thing for us is can we stop them? You know, the game there, we just could not stop them. They scored, um, I think they put up 93, something like that. And that's the key for us is really they are so balanced offensively. And, you know, their, their four best offensive players are really gifted. And each of them at, on any given night could lead their team in scoring. And so we've got to find a – a pretty special defensive effort to get there. I am I am buoyed and encouraged by the fact that Worcester is somewhat similar. I mean, they're they're a very balanced team offensively, and we managed to control them a little bit. So that's mm-hmm. the key. Can we stop them? That's really the key. We've we've got to be able to contain them and, and control them defensively. Uh, quickly before I let you go, obviously on the national committee for the first time, representing the central region, taking over for uh, Greenville's head coach uh, in that role after he stepped down. Uh, what was it like on the first year? What was it like to be from on or see it from a national point of view? Yeah, I loved it. Um, you know, I was a few years ago, like a lot of coaches around the country, uh, not complaining about the national committee, but yes, we, you we were. questioned why, why <laughs> do we do this? Why do we do that? And it was actually Mike McGrath, who's a good friend, the yeah. coach of the University of Chicago, who kind of challenged me to, to get involved. And I thought, well, that's a great challenge to say, instead of say, well, why do we do this? Be a part of the process. And so when, when Coach Barber, uh, his, his term came up, I thought, you know what, let's, let's pursue this. And I'm really glad I did. It's been an amazingly positive experience for, for two reasons, Dave. I can tell you, one, the, the men that are currently on the committee, and I would imagine the men and women that preceded us, it's a role we take very seriously. We understand the weight of what we're doing. And, and the amount of work we all put in uh, is pretty extraordinary to me. So um, it's been a wonderfully positive experience. I've absolutely loved it. Um, challenging work. Um, and, you know, during your season to coach while we're spending Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, each week of those regional rankings and certainly Selection <laughs> Sunday, just putting in a lot more work than, than maybe I even knew when I signed up for it. But it's been a great experience. I would tell coaches the same thing Mike McGrath told me. Somebody, you know, Mike served on a lot of committees. Get involved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, it stops being something out there, and it becomes you feel just much more part of the, the process and, and realize that um, – you know, when I get off the committee, I will I will stay an apologist for the men and women that serve past <laughs> me, just because I know the work that goes in. Sure. Uh, it doesn't mean we got to agree on every decision, but the no. amount of work that goes in is exceptional. And um, so I've enjoyed it. I'm thankful to be a part of it. Looking forward to the to the next three years of doing it. Well, thanks for the time and thanks for the insight there. We'll obviously get more from you about that and, and your role on that committee as the years go on. But I know I'll see you in Fort Wayne no matter how this results. But uh, good luck this weekend, and maybe we'll see the team dancing in Fort Wayne as well. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? No, I appreciate the the role you guys have and, and on D3 Hoops and all that stuff. I mean, it's a fun time of year, and um, uh, 
uh, just appreciate the work you guys do and, and the support you give our level of basketball. Well, thank you. Appreciate the time. Take care of yourself. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. He is Mike Shower joining us from the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline from Wheaton. Of course, all interviews on the Hoopsville Hotline, courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology, their industry-leading production truck software. If your college is ready to showcase its team through a reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget, Blue Frame's advanced digital broadcast tools will help you take your broadcast to the next level. Learn more today by visiting blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com, and tell them I sent you. Take another break. We have a, an update, by the way. Amherst men's basketball coach Dave Hickson will not be joining us tonight under the weather. We'll see if we can get him on Thursday's show. When we come back, we'll switch gears, talk women's basketball. Oh, I'm sorry. No, we won't. We'll go to Guilford first. Tom Palumbo joining us to talk about the Quakers. Then we'll start talking some women's basketball. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. Welcome to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW-Eau Claire has been ranked a top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Director's Cup top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student athletes. UW-Eau Claire is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold? My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com tickets and get your tickets today. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday evening, March 3rd. We are into March, and the madness has officially begun. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Facebook us at facebook.com slash Hoopsville, or watch us on the simulcast there. Of course, you can also email us, dave.mchugh at d3sports.com. I did see one comment from our good friend Dave Martin saying, Mike Shower is one of the really good guys in the coaching profession and a great coach. Good luck, my friend. Dave, I'm sorry I missed that or forgot. I should say I forgot to mention it. I did see it earlier. Um 
Robert asks, how will Wheaton defense Augustana? Uh, I didn't get to that question, though. I think he kind of touched on it a little bit. That will be a great game to watch, to be sure. One of the teams that will be traveling as well this weekend, uh, thanks to the fact that they took advantage of their home court to some degree and got past a really good Wittenberg squad, is Guilford. You know, I mentioned earlier um, some teams that have been giant killers. Well, one of them, Loris. The other one, Guilford. They're in the same grouping. They'll head to Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Guilford's going to have to get used to some snow. And joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the Quakers. It's Tom Palumbo. And, sir, have you got your boots on? Uh, Dave, great to talk to you, man. Yeah, I can't wait to go up into uh, <laughs> freezing cold weather and snow and all that stuff. We haven't uh, we haven't had enough of that here in the South yet. No, no, you haven't, <laughs> though. Uh, we're getting it here today. I suspect to some degree it doesn't matter what the weather's like, uh, whether it's in Greensboro, North Carolina, or in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. You guys are still dancing in the tournament, one of two teams in the ODAC. you got to be pretty pleased with your squad. But, man, this season has been all over the place to some degree from what from my vantage point. Yeah, you know, we started off really slow in November. You know, I didn't think we were, I didn't think we were very good. You weren't playing very well together. And uh, I will say it's one of the – it's probably the team that I've had over the course of time that's improved more than any other team I've ever had throughout the course of the season, how they've, how they've come together, um, especially defensively. I mean, we've gotten, we've gotten a ton better defensively and mm-hmm. rebounding-wise. And the guys just play with a tremendous amount of effort, and they've learned to play together. They understand the roles. And, you know, we kind of hit our stride there towards the uh, – towards the end of the season, heading into the ODAC tournament, and, and we carried that through to uh, over the weekend for sure. Yeah, it certainly played well in the ODAC tournament where you really needed to because I have this feeling that maybe if you only get to the semis, you maybe aren't dancing. Uh, you get all the way to the championship game. Randolph-Macon got you by 11. Uh, of course, Randolph-Macon earlier in the season, had tripped. Uh, you had tripped them up 64-63 back on January 5th, so it felt like a pretty even matchup between the two of you. Did you think you were getting in? Did you feel any pressure in that ODEC tournament to go a certain distance to try and make sure you guys had secured a spot? You know, we really didn't. You know, our goal at the beginning every every year is, uh, you know, we, we value the conference, and, mm-hmm. and the Old Dominion Athletic Conference is one of the best ones in the country. And our, our sole focus is to, first of all, try to win the regular season, which we were not able to do. We finished second. And then just going into the conference tournament, you know, we want to, like everybody else, we just wanted to be the, the ODAC champions. I tell you what, we had to beat three really good teams, and we took them one at a time. You know, Emory and Henry was, you know, to, to be the seventh seed and have to play them in the first round. I mean, that's got to be one of the best seven seeds uh, in any tournament across the country for sure. They were very good, and then we beat a very good Roanoke team. Uh, we're fortunate to win that game by two a couple of days later, and then to beat Randolph Macon in the in the championship game. I mean, we beat three really high level mm-hmm. teams, and, and both all, all those games were high level basketball. Certainly were. Of course, you got Suwanee in the first round, and I, I'll be honest, you guys had a bigger win there than I expected. I thought Suwanee would at least be a bit interesting t- test for you guys. But Wittenberg sitting on the other side, that game, I'll be honest, if it had been Wittenberg by 20, I wouldn't have been surprised. That's not a knock on you. I just think Wittenberg was playing that well. What did you guys do there execution-wise that seemed to throw the Tigers off? Yeah, I mean they're obviously they're they're very good. Matt does a great job. They've had a great season to win that to win that league and and win at Worcester was uh, you know that's that's phenomenal. Um, you know I thought again I thought it was a really good college basketball game. You know both teams we we went at it we went at it, went at it. we were tied with you know a couple of minutes to go and 
you know, we were just able to make a couple plays down the stretch and, and get a couple stops on them because that game was, you know, we were never separated by more than a few points until the until the final minute or, or two of that game. So it was a, you know, it was a it was a classic knockdown drag out, and yeah. unfortunately we we hung on there at the end. Yeah, did I don't in the men's side? I don't know if the home court is ever that much of of a huge advantage. I'm not going to say it's not an advantage, but. We've seen it where it doesn't necessarily equate to an automatic win. But that known, how much did it help you guys? It helped us a ton. There I mean, you go. Great, on <laughs> Friday night, the Sewanee game, uh, you know, Sewanee is a very good team. And I tell you what, we had we had a packed house. We hadn't had that since 2010 um, at our place. Students came mm. out. The community came out. The place was rocking. You know, we came out and made a few shots, got up 11 nothing, And that's a tough environment to be in. And, and we kind of just it kind of just snowballed on them. We started shooting the ball really well, yeah. and that's how it got from there. And then, uh, you know, we come back the next night on Saturday. It's a big high school basketball night with, uh, you know, the finals, the sectionals for them, and, yep. and things like that. We still had over over a thousand people come to the game. Wow. Great atmosphere. Really carried us in the moments where, uh, you know, there were some moments with some long runs. You know, with the media timeouts, things were a little different, and uh, you can get stuck on a four or five minute run and. And there was a couple of those where both teams were really dragging throughout the course of that. And I tell you what, the crowd really, we'd get a bug. We'd just make a regular layup. And, uh, you know, it sounded like we had, we had made 10 straight points. And uh, <laughs> that really gives you that extra energy, especially when you're feeling a little fatigued. Sure. Makes sense. How do you get this, this team now ready? We'll talk about them specifically in a little bit. But how do you now get them ready for this trip? Because at least this season, you guys didn't really go far. You guys kind of stayed in the ODAC or stayed in your neck of the woods to some degree. How do you now get them ready for for a cross country trip, essentially to Oshkosh, Wisconsin? I'll tell you what we, uh, we we actually had the advantage of you know we played at the University of Iowa this year, so we flew out. Oh, there I forgot and, about uh, that game. Did, yes, did, did a similar uh, it's a similar situation. You know, we got our flights all organized today, and uh, a little bit shorter time frame. We had we had a month <laughs> to try to get our uh, our flights together for <laughs> Iowa, but uh, the one day thing here. Uh, but our athletic director, Sue Bauer, did a great job. She's really running the show and, and got us all organized and got our travel plans together. And, uh, and we feel really comfortable about the, the process. And, and our guys are, you know, that's the one thing. We're used to getting on a plane and going to play. And uh, so and going to the Midwest, too. So, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we had that trial run back then. And, and so I think it won't be that much of a, uh, a shock for the first time for some of these guys to be on a plane or to get off and, and do those kind of things. And it, be, and it might be a lot of snow and it might be a lot colder than it was. <laughs> yeah. There. But uh, but that's okay. The gym will be warm, I'm sure. Yeah, I forgot about that game in Iowa. Thanks for the reminder. So that, that certainly you guys have actually gotten on and done a big long trip. Marcus Curry leading your way with as a senior. Carson Long second on the team as a senior. Kyler Gregory third on the team as a, as a junior. Fifteen point four, twelve point six, twelve point six, seven point one rebounds, six point two rebounds, eight point one rebounds. They also hand out assists themselves. That's an interesting trio, and I don't want to leave out Jalen Gore either, who's a sophomore at, at pretty much ten points a game, four rebounds, four assists. That 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 trio of of even numbers and rebounds, and that and that quad where you got the guy distributing the ball. That feels like a a very dangerous kind of setup when you're in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we've been very well balanced. Uh, we have a lot of guys who uh, you know who do a specific role and they and they understand it and they do it really well. And obviously, those those guys that you mentioned, uh, you know, that score points and get rebounds and those things are obviously really important to us. And those guys can explode on any night. And you know, Joe Logan's one of the best. You know, he he does his role. He's one of the best defenders. Uh, you know that that we've had here at Guilford. He's been shooting the ball really well. And you know, we bring some guys off the bench. Uh, you know, Liam Ward and and Will Lackenby and 
Luke Harkin, Steve Rosala, Trent Wells, you know, those guys all come in and, and understand what their role is and they do it they do it really well and, and when those guys come in and we can, you know, elevate our lead or if we're down and they chip into the you know, chip into the league, it's a big lift when when uh you know, when we can keep moving that game forward. So it's been a it's it's really we've really come into that kind of that rhythm um as we've hit the the middle of February and on to on to March. March madness, I guess. You play about ten guys in most games too. I mean we you, do. You don't we shy do. away from that bench. Do you have to tweak it though with media breaks are you still willing to go deep no we did it we, we, we kind of we kept the same way you know we tried to uh you know, we tried to give guys maybe a little bit uh a little bit of an extra rest like get them out right before the media timeout and everything sure. to give them and then get them right back and rotate them through we've kind of kept with the same uh you know, workforce during the regular season and um we just kind of kept that rhythm because the guy i think the guys feel comfortable out and they know when they're going in the game they know you know they kind of get a feel for it and, mm-hmm. and and that's worked out really well for us. You mentioned earlier your athletics director taking over and helping out with a lot of the planning. You used to be the athletics director as well as being the head coach. I know we talked about it briefly when that, that transition took place and you went back to just coaching, but it's been a few years. It feels like you know, it's been a little bit of time to, to let you settle back into what you've done. What's the difference now, and are you enjoying the fact that you really, in grand scheme of things, only have to worry about coaching? Todd's oh, great, man. I love coming to work every day. The people I get to hang out with, people I get to work with every day. Sue's been great, and uh, life is good at Guilford, man. We've got uh, we've got basketball rolling again, and <laughs> uh, you know, we've got a great bunch of guys. I love coming to I love coming to practice. This is probably the group that's been the they're a loose group. They like to have fun. It's not like some of those, you know some of those nine ten teams that we had in yeah. the final four. You know, those guys were those guys were a little, little they were business like these guys are these guys are these guys are loose. They like to have fun, <laughs> and it's enjoyable for me. I kind of we tried to we tried to go the other way with them a little bit in November, and I was like, ah, oh, this isn't working. We need to we need to just go with what these guys are. They like mm-hmm. to have fun. They're confident, and we're just we're just going with it. You know, we're just going with what we have and, and trying to be who we are. I was thinking about those oh nine ten teams, especially uh, the Ben <laughs> Strong teams the other day when uh, Lamarda for uh, Alfred put up 45 and I, had, I kept thinking to myself, yeah, 59 is really the number you got to think about. Yeah. <laughs> that game still feels like yesterday. That's a dandy, but you, you do. You have a new squad now. New? Do they even know the Ben Strongs and the Tyler Sanborns and, and the whatnots of, of the of the history of that program? They do, you know. They know the history of the program. Of course, Tyler is a coach in our league yep. uh, now. You know, he coaches at Barham. He came to the game on Friday. And oh, he was cool. There. A lot of the old, a lot of the guys from from those teams came back and watched us play and saw the atmosphere in the gym. Like, yeah, this is the way it used to be. You know, this, Man, that's uh, awesome. This, this is the way we like it. So it was it was a ton of fun, obviously, to win and have a lot of people there. But to see those guys, it was great. They come back and always hear from them. And it was great for them to come to the game and see us play. That's cool. Well, I appreciate the time you took to join us. Love to chat more, but we got a jam packed show, and you got more important things to do, like getting ready to <laughs> face off against St. Thomas. I will before we yeah, let you go, balance, though. Really good. You talk about balance. Yeah, they got some balance. I was going to say, before before we let you go, what do you think of the Tommies? Obviously, it's been a brief look at it. John Towers' squad there. What do you think of them? It's not Nebraska Wesleyan. <laughs> uh, John does a great job with them. You know, I haven't, I haven't seen either team play. We caught the end of the game uh, after we had played. And, uh, you know, the guys they've got with Nelson and Hannon and Ben, you know, they play 10 guys, and any of those guys can be the, be the guy on any night. So they're really well balanced. And you're not making this. They're not making it. Everybody, everybody's good at this point. You know, you can't. Yeah. Nobody's fooling anybody. You know, everybody's everybody's got a game. So obviously, you know, they won the national championship this year. Yeah, and he's been national coaching quite a few times. So it'll be, uh, you know, it'll be a challenge for us to head out there and Well, I appreciate the time as always. We give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Nah, great. I appreciate you calling in, man. Absolutely. Hey, take care. Safe travels. Enjoy it. And we'll talk to you somewhere down the road.
Hi, Dave. See you, man. Tom Palumbo joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. They're 23-7 and this year. They took out some big teams this season. You cannot look past them. They beat Randolph-Macon this season. They beat others in the conference that were that looked to be streaking and playing well. They took out, you know, they got big wins when they needed to get big wins. That continued this weekend with a win over Wittenberg. Can they continue it next weekend with St. Thomas? That's why they play the games. We'll find out. Take a break. We'll go back out to the uh, St. Louis area. Talk to Randy Henderson, head coach at WashU. Her team took out a big team in George Fox this weekend. How is her team feeling about that victory? You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Plenty more Hoopsville ahead. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us, and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Here coming from you from the WBCA NABC studios. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can also email us, dave.mchugh at d3sports.com. Uh, you can also join us on the simulcast, whether on Periscope or Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville certainly has plenty of questions or uh, people chatting it up. We uh, got to push that, by the way, now that I think about it. Um, Dominic Lamorta brings up someone who we probably know. He, he mentions uh, Lamorta. Somebody for Alfred who had a pretty good weekend. We'll talk about him. Uh, a reminder, Dave Hickson is now not going to be on the show tonight. Unfortunately, not feeling well. I feel bad for Dave. Uh, I'm sure he has been going through the ringer. We will try and get him on Thursday's show. So the back end of the show is a little bit, uh, as we say in the TV biz, looser. 
Uh, so you'll be able to ask a bunch of questions. We can chat about a number of things that uh, has taken place this weekend, and we look forward to uh, interacting with you guys. Let's keep things moving now because we at least got to get through this segment, and then we can uh, kind of slow the, slow the roll a little bit. On the women's side of things, um, to say the least, WashU has been playing really good basketball this season. Uh, a lot of the attention early this season was was probably on Chicago. Uh, a lot of people looked at them and said, hey, they're the team to beat. They're going to be on top of the conference. They're the ones we need to watch out for. And WashU kind of flew under the radar. Probably didn't help that they started 3-4 and four on the season. But, man, have things changed since then as they are now into the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Thanks in part, and by the way, I said three of four on the season. I apologize. I'm looking at the wrong team on my uh, information. Coach is probably scratching her head wondering what team I might be referring to. Um, they're into the second weekend of the tournament, thanks in part to the win over George Fox this past weekend. They were 21-6, and six, kind of started a similar way. They had five losses in their opening 10 games. But again, they're in the second weekend of the tournament, and Randy Henderson has her squad playing really well. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is the aforementioned Randy Henderson with a much better resume than I tried to give you in the first place. Uh, Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us. Sure. Um, listen, you, we knew that the WashU program was in good shape when you took it over. Nancy Fay leaving it, certainly. But you were going to put your own flavor on things. And getting the NC tournament was kind of standard operating procedure. That hasn't stopped. But I feel like the win... The season was good, and the wins over Chicago were good, but that win over George Fox feels like your stamp on things. Is that a fair way of saying it? Uh, I don't know. The win felt good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. (laughs) Yeah, they're a really incredible team, uh, and, you know, they're scary on film and scarier in person, so I'm just really proud of uh, the composure that our players played with during that game, and... uh, Really happy for especially our seniors for that sure. win for them. You were five and five again to start the season. Once I finally figured out what I was looking at, uh, a loss to Texas Dallas, a tournament team, a loss to Illinois Wesleyan, tournament team, a loss to Westminster, which might have some people scratching their heads. Lost to Loris, you know, not a bad team there either. Lost to St. Thomas, not a bad team there. But since then, you've had one loss. It was to Emory at their place, the beginning of February. Is there truly been a difference in two seasons here? Did you guys figure something out between the loss on the 29th of December and when you got into conference play a week later? I think they got really good Christmas presents, personally. But <laughs> Oh, what'd you get and can I have uh, one? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, well, we had um, some pretty hard injuries happen throughout our preseason. Uh, We had a starting guard go out in the UT Dallas game in the first five minutes of the game uh, and tore ACL and didn't get to come back the rest of the season. And uh, she was a, she was just one of those kids that's kind of like the heartbeat. Uh, And so it was a tough loss definitely from the gate. And then uh, after that, uh, during that Westminster messy period, we had three of our top kids out, Christina Schmelter, uh, Carolyn Ballard, and Samantha Weaver all at the same time. Uh, so we were definitely not in perfect shape, and I think uh, some, and we weren't shooting the ball at all very well during that time either. So we definitely had our fair share of uh, struggles and adversity and frustration. I think um, any team kind of goes through those different kinds of storms uh, for us. Ours went all the way through till Christmas break, and uh, Christmas break just came at a really good time, I think, for our players to just get away and 
you know, we have a strong senior class and uh, obviously they're used to winning and mm-hmm. played, played for a really good basketball coach for their first two years. And I run a different kind of basketball, but still, yeah. you know, uh, they just, I think they just came back after break and we had a couple conversations and, um, I guess, you know, we got on the same page and we moved forward and we got healthy, which helped. Um, but we definitely have had, uh, we even lost a starter, uh, in our Chicago game, yeah. uh, with two NACL as well. So we just have had an hmm. uh, interesting year. So, uh, we just kind of keep figuring it out, I guess. Um, you t- you t- <laughs> the gifts is certainly good enough in my book. I, I like uh, maybe that the gifts spurred you guys. But again, you had a you had to. If we look back at the last three games, you had to beat Chicago at home on the twenty third. Mm-hmm. You then beat Whitewater in the first round and George Fox in the second round. That's that's a heck of a nice three set there. The other thing too is mm-hmm. you have been at home for the last five games. I, I assume the home cooking has worked well for this squad in. And, and, and in some way taking some of the pressure off. I mean, everybody plays better at home. I think you get your routine, you know, you get to eat what you want. You get to sleep in your own bed. Uh, you know, we're, we're very fortunate. I still really have no idea how we hosted, but I'm not complaining about it to whoever made that decision. Uh, that was a great decision um, for us. Um, and so, yeah, it's been tough. There's a lot of really good teams. Chicago is a really strong team, uh, I think, that's no question about it. The way that they play is tough. Yeah. And then obviously uh, our next two games uh, were tough as well, but like it, it helps us that we have seniors that have been through it and seen it done. And so, um, yeah, I just feel really fortunate and kind of still baffled, but <laughs> I'm, I'm just rolling with it. <laughs> well, then roll with it. Uh, let me ask, yeah. let me ask you about three specific players. First off, Madeline Homily, uh, obviously the leading scorer on the team at 17 points a game, seven and a half rebounds a game, leads the team as well. Obviously a, a significant presence, shooting 54%, though I'd, I'm sure you'd love to see the free throw percentage higher. What, is she, what does she provide to you guys? That is, that is, it, is it true inside-outside game that she's providing you in there, or is there something else going on that makes her such a threat? I mean, she's just a really mobile post player, so she can run the run in transition. She can crash the glass. She can rip from the high post. She's got about 15 to 17 feet feet for range. Uh, so, uh, and she's pretty athletic. So she just she gives up the ball too in a double team. Well, she can pass out of a double team. So she's just a pretty hard person to I think game plan for. Mm. And. Uh, she has played at a really high level uh, ever since Christmas break, too. And she was playing well before that, too. Probably our most consistent player leading into the break. But uh, she just has continued to raise her uh, level of intensity. And, you know, she's one of those kids at, at practice. She is pulling uh, freshmen and sophomores aside and giving them coaching and teaching the entire practice. So it's not like she's you know, taking any possessions off. So it's yeah. been really fun to watch her. Well, an interesting experience, too, because she's a D1 transfer, uh, South Dakota, as Chris tells me. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's that got to bring a different um, kind of aura to the program. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't have her her first uh, year or two, whatever. It would be her first year transferring. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, she's definitely a different kind of player. So it makes and she's playing at that high of a level right now that you can tell why she was out of South Dakota to begin with. So, sure. uh, 
Yeah, it's a it's a definitely a blessing and a bonus for us. But I think, you know, there's a lot of uh, kids playing in Division three that have passed on Division one scholarships or um, transferred. But a lot of them that have passed that are floating around, which is why when you get to, you know, the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, and then into the Final Four, it's so tough. Uh, they're better than some of those Division One teams. Uh, talk to me about Clark Callender. Uh, we had her on earlier this season. Wonderful chat with her for a student athlete who truly puts mm-hmm. student in that title. Um, mm-hmm. She certainly seems to, to be the plug-and-play player for you. Obviously leads the team by a landslide in assists. Um, yeah. but she, And obviously that's the distributor, but she I know she's doing other things for you. Yeah, she's... She's really elevated her game this year as well. Uh, She's playing at a really high intensity and focus. And, uh, you know, she's one of those special players that has a vision that you can't can't teach. And Mm. so uh, that makes it tough to guard her and makes and now she's able to get by defenders and finish at the rim and she can you know score the basketball and she can create off the dribble and she can create without pressure so uh and obviously it helps having a kid like madeline who can shoot the ball so well but uh in transition off the dribble she's just uh doing it for us in a in a really energetic way i think against george fox she took two charges that were pretty Mm. critical that are she's she's making huge plays on the defensive end for us too and kids are just thriving on it so it's been really fun to watch her the other one i'm told i have to ask you about is caroline ballard uh, hitting threes rebounds assists uh, as this person mm-hmm. as chris says does it all for the bears what does she do in your opinion all of it <laughs> i want a hundred of her <laughs> uh, she does everything and again she's just like the happiest kid and always positive and you know always encouraging to her teammates and you can very rarely if ever see that she's frustrated she hits shots at critical times for us but she even when she's not hitting shots she's guarding she's so steady and uh you know she's just very likable so everybody just kind of yeah she's uh, yeah she does everything i told her she shouldn't she can't graduate you guys are, yeah. I'm sorry, but that they usually have other plans. Yeah, uh, they have big plans too. Yeah, <laughs> they do. You're right. Good way of saying it. Um, obviously, heading to Thomas More um, for the program. This is the fifth trip to Thomas More. If anybody remembers, back in 2010, went two and zero, became national champs. Eventually, 2011, two and zero, were ended up in the national runners up. Eventually, 2015, unfortunately, lost in the Sweet 16, and 2016, one and one, losing in the Elite Eight. Obviously, you weren't there mm-hmm. for any of that. Um, you are heading there, though, and you at least are on the other side right now of the Thomas More pod that you might see them in the Elite Eight. Granted, everybody's got to get past everybody. What do you see in your matchup coming up, though, uh, for the potential of that opportunity? Well, I have had very little time today yes, to I figured. watch any film. <laughs> I, have, uh, yeah, I have both my kids today, and uh, so... From what I understand, uh, both teams are extremely good, uh, have some very good athletes. I mean, I know I'm familiar with UT Dallas because we played UT Dallas, and they played uh, them three to- three times, I think, uh, two times in their Twice. regular season and then, yep, and three then times. the conference, yep. Yep. conference champions. So, uh, you know, just knowing the type of team that UT Dallas is, I know that's going to be a tough game. Uh, and, again, I don't have a ton to speak on about either one. I probably will be able to tell you more in uh, after bedtime and somewhere <laughs> between 8 and 2 in the morning. All right, we'll call you back about <laughs> but, midnight. Does that work for you? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, 
you know, obviously, I think the teams playing now, they're just all good. I mean, George Fox was an amazing team. Yeah. And uh, I think that, that that's just not, it's not going to get any easier. And they, I know I, from what I've been told, they have a really good guard, a couple good guards that uh, I'm going to have to pay attention to. And then just <laughs> as the team have been good. So uh, yeah, they're winning for a reason. Yeah. That's a fair. Everyone's winning it for a reason at this point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, coach, I appreciate the time, um, uh, especially yeah, no on, a, on a busy night for you as well. Um, I, and good luck this weekend uh, on the trip out there to Kentucky. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in? Yeah, just it's been fun. It's awesome being back in Division Three, and uh, yeah. I appreciate all you guys do. Well, we, we're glad you're back, too. Uh, congratulations, and keep on enjoying it, and we'll look forward to talking to you, about, to you and about the Bears down the road. Sounds great. Thank you. Absolutely. Randy Henderson joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, by the way, 30 trips, I believe, to the NCAA tournament for WashU. This is the 19th Sweet 16. It, it's almost synonymous that they get to the second weekend. Again, they're 5-2 and two at the Connor Center in um, – in Kentucky at Thomas Moore. We'll see what they can do this weekend. They take on Mary Harden Baylor first. And the other side of that pot is Thomas Moore versus Transylvania, which, by the way, I also think is going to be a really good game. No one's paying attention. That's one and two in the Great Lakes taking on each other. Um, thanks to Randy for joining us here on the show for the Bears, who are 21 and 6. We'll take another break, continue talking women's basketball. We'll come back out to the East Coast and talk to sales. Fred Richter will join us to talk about his team and just how well they're playing. Could this actually be the best sales team that's ever been put on the floor? Well, we'll find out what Fred has to say about that. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville when we come back. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. UW-Eau Claire and Mayo Clinic Health System are creating amazing opportunities for students from across the Midwest. Our collaborative research agreement allows students to work with world-renowned physicians and scientists. And with more than 80 majors, UW-Eau Claire is the perfect fit for those who dream big and are ready to change the world. Big shots. Big dunks. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum Arena in Fort Wayne. With his third triple. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and secure your seats today. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built.
Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this Sunday evening. Don't forget all interviews on the Hoopsville Hotline are courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their industry-leading production truck software. Is your college ready to showcase its teams through a reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget? Blue, Frame, Blue Frame's advanced digital broadcast tools will help take your broadcast to the next level. Learn more today by visiting www.blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. And tell them I sent you. It is obviously a busy evening here as we have lots to talk about. We can't get through every single team, but we're glad to get to who we are. A reminder, if you're tuned in, hoping to hear from Dave Hickson of Amherst, unfortunately had to cancel tonight or maybe postpone is a better way of saying it. Not feeling well, and we certainly understand that. This is a tough time of year for coaches and players. We'll look forward to maybe talking to him as early as Thursday or when we can. Um, no guarantees we can get him on Thursday, but we'll do our best. Hopefully he's just feeling better. Now, of course, the team will be hosting this weekend, which will make things a little bit easier, I'm sure, for the ball coach. All right, so still talking women's basketball. DeSales is having a tremendous season, 27-2 and two this year. Those two losses came in a span of three games at the turn of November to December. They lost to Scranton, 63-58. Oh, by the way, they're still playing in the NCAA tournament. And uh, they beat Gwen and Mercy, and then they lost to Sage in a game that even their own players would tell you was a head-scratcher. They've been undefeated since. Got a win over Middlebury, 70-55, to uh, to advance to the Sweet 16 round of the tournament. They now will head to Brunswick, Maine, to the home of Bowdoin. Well, they'll take on Ithaca in the Sweet 16. What should we expect of the Bulldogs? I have said it a few times. This might be the best Bulldogs team that's ever taken the floor. What does Fred Richter think about that? Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the aforementioned Fred Richter. And, Coach, you got a really good team on your hands. Is this one of the better teams you've ever coached? Absolutely. Uh, they're cer certainly in the top three and, and uh, sort of a, a whole different category in their own. We uh, usually rely on some, some big-time scores and play some good defense. This group relies on pressure defense, full court, the whole game, and it doesn't matter who scores. Uh, we, we have uh, eight, nine kids that are going to capable of scoring double figures any night, and it sort of keeps us mysterious to, uh, to other teams as, as well. Um, yeah, you feel like you've got more options with this squad the, than even your last Sweet 16 unit. Um, it feels like you've got, you know, you're going to shut down one, there's three others that can hurt you. And defensively, you definitely feel like a strong unit. But, man, you're putting up a lot of points this year, Fred. Well, most of it's defense uh, generated. Uh, we, we really do get a lot out of the deflections, the steals. The rebounds and go. Uh, we, we just uh, push on the ball, and uh, it gives us opportunities in the open court. And we do have one of the uh, best uh, point guards in all of Division Three, in Morgan Vermillion, who makes sure that the ball gets to the right people when we do get on the run. And, in fact, many times she's the one who gets the ball and can go coast-to-coast, coast, as she often does. Um, again, you're going on this long run since you lost. I mean, your two losses were Scranton and Sage. And when, and when you had your senior captain on the team or on the show, she talked about that Sage one being a bit of a head-scratcher. What happened in that stretch? Granted, Scranton's a good team. We're not nothing against that. But what happened in that stretch? And did it almost kind of re-trigger something with this unit that you guys have held on to since? Well, we, we sort of broken the, the season up into some realities of, of what uh, our team was about. We, uh, mm. we were a little disappointed in our team last year, and uh, we uh, played a, a number of teams that beat us early. So we yeah. called that our re revenge tour, and <laughs> we were scoring and, and uh, 
and pressing like crazy and scoring over 100 points in games. And, and then we got to Scranton, who was awfully good, uh, a little more seasoned than we were because we were starting two freshmen after those first five or six games. And uh, we, we went up there and had a, a tough injury to Andrew Sterner that we had to, uh, to deal with her not being able to play much in the second half, and that transition was a, a problem. But we lost an awfully good team on their home floor, and that's what made us think that uh, we, we can be who we think we can be. Unfortunately, three days or five days later, we went to Sage and uh, forgot that you have to defend and uh, <laughs> that every game's for real and that people don't roll over just because you scored 100 points a few times and played Scranton tough at Scranton. And uh, Sage deserved the win. Uh, they came to play. They, uh, um, they made plays at the end of the game that we didn't. And uh, from that, uh, we called those two, two games our reality check. And ever mm. since then, we've been on our MAC run. Our MAC run has ended, and now we're on our NCAA run. And uh, the girls have just bought into the whole defensive thing and, 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 and getting, in, getting the pressure in every game, not when they feel like it, not when the opponent is supposed to be uh, excellent, just being in a consistently defensive mindset. Yeah. You have three seniors on this team. You're led by one scoring-wise in, in Leandra Sterner. At 14 points a game. You also, uh, I'm sorry, Sterner's only played in 14 games, but Samantha Shinkus is actually your, your other leader at 13.2. Uh, the other senior, who I was trying to get to before I botched that one, <laughs> Morgan uh, Bermelin at 13.1 points a game, and, and Avery Jordan is your other one in double figures at, at 11.9. You've got that senior leadership, but it's also these underclassmen who are stepping up at just the right times as well, is it not? Absolutely, almost from day one, to be perfectly frank. Uh, uh, Sammy Shimkus and uh, Avery Jordan uh, have started every game, every scrimmage. Um, they just fit in right away. Uh, they caught on real quickly uh, that our seniors were selling defense as well, and uh, they got themselves ready. They're pretty tough kids. They come from the same high school. They know each other really well. Mm. Uh, it was uh, good chemistry and, uh, and, again, senior leadership that got them involved right away, as well as the other three freshmen who – Right now, we have a rotation of nine with Leander Sterner done for the season. Right. And that rotation of nine is has five freshmen in it. And that's amazing. I mean, they're, they're, you've got, you're willing to go that deep into some, well, and granted, at this point, freshmen aren't freshmen anymore. But True. they aren't, they haven't gotten any NCAA experience either. So you're, you're willing to go deep into some who, who haven't been in those situations before, and it's working well. Well, they, um, they, they're just tough kids. Uh, they they want to play. Uh, they, they understand big games. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's not like it gets in the way of their performance. Sure. Uh, they're just, uh, they're just hungry. They want to do well. Uh, they don't like to let each other down as teammates, uh, especially on the defensive end. And, uh, and that's really what makes us tick. Um, so there's, you've got some quirky in pregame stuff. Uh, I'll have to admit uh, is it? I believe it's Morgan, the one who does the crazy dance um, after starting lineups are announced. I, I'm surprised you haven't gotten involved with that, Coach. I know you're a big dancer. Um, but then Emma Stanfield is singing the national anthem too. You, you got anybody else do do juggling? Does anybody else do ball tricks? What else is going on in pregame that we should know about? Uh, you probably hit it all, except for um, <laughs> trying to bang the door down to the. Uh, uh, basketball uh, closet, of which uh, many years ago we 
banging on it so uh, hard that we did break, break the cabinet that had all the equipment in there. Uh, <laughs> the girls do get excited, and, and our traditions are fun. And, and they're all student-generated. Um, Morgan's Dance just started, and uh, Emma sang the national anthem at um, all of our high school games. Wow. And after we had a local choir do the first game, we decided to stay live the rest of the year. And she loves doing it. Um, uh-huh. She did it before the doubleheader, and we played this the second game in the NCAA game the other day. You gonna, um, <laughs> you gonna insist that she, you gonna insist that she do it up there in Brunswick? If they asked her, I know she would. She really enjoys it. I would just tell them that you, she's going to do it. I, I just throw a curveball, <laughs> see what they say. <laughs> I've uh, I've been around long enough to know when you go into somebody else's territory, they're not real big on now. Uh, trying to take over. Uh, I'll make some calls for you. Um, by the way, I also told that this, this is coming from your friend Mark Simon, by the way. Molly uh, Jansko um, celebrated her birthday yesterday. He's, he points out something that I think is really hard to do. She was a starter last year. She's now coming off the bench in a role play. That, that can sometimes be hard for players to adjust to. Obviously, we're all built as athletes that you go from role player to starter unless you're lucky enough to already be there. To go from starter to role player can sometimes be a time warp or a brain, brain flip for people. How has she adjusted, and, and, and how has that worked? Well, we, we played Molly at the four for her first two years, and uh, she wasn't that comfortable, and we kept uh, feeling that um, she would be a tremendous floor four at our level uh at the end of the year she told me she'd much rather be a five at the beginning of this year we realized we brought two talented fours in with a whole different um makeup than molly that uh, gave us some offense from the outside that we didn't get from her Hmm. so uh, when we told molly that she was going to be vying for the five position and probably coming off the bench she actually said thank you uh mostly because uh she was very comfortable being a five uh, Molly has bought into the whole collective success thing. She's not one of these kids who's, who who is just wondering what happened or uh, getting into the whole drama of of what changed. Um, she just accepted her role and uh, plays awfully hard. One of the reasons I think we do well is our our ten when we had Leander would go head to head every night in different uh, groups of who was blue and who was white. <clears throat> so Molly got to play against the six two kid every night and. Uh, Bridget got to play against a six-one kid every night, and our six guards in the rotation were banging heads every night. Uh, so it it, um, it made us it seasoned us rather quickly. Mm-hmm. It got us into the whole um, understanding that we were all in this together. It didn't matter who started, even though we have as a uh, the set five uh, that only changed once Leandra left. Sure, uh, but but they get it. Uh, they they're happy for each other. It, it's fun to be part of. Uh, so ahead of you, Zithika, interestingly enough, you beat a, a South Region team in Shenandoah in the first round. You beat a Northeast Regional team in Middlebury in the second. You'll now face off in an East Regional team for the right to face off against Eastern Northeast. That was just my little way of having some fun. Um, I know it's early. You haven't do- dove that much into the Bombers necessarily, but it's two teams who were hosting this weekend who are now both on the road up at Bowdoin, what are you expecting from Ithaca, or what do you guys need to do to make sure you're still playing come next Saturday? Well, it's real important that we not lose our identity, mm. uh, and I, I, I think we made that very evident in the first two games. Uh, we are who we are. There's no secrets. Um, we're we're, we're going we're gonna to put some full-court pressure on. We're, we're going to try to get uh, points out of transition. We're going to try to uh, make offenses uncomfortable, and then we're going to attack 
And uh, I have this thing, and it's finally come to to fruition that if you're going to be a very good NCAA team, you have to be able to score double figures at every position. And between the two kids that play each position, we do that. And uh, it's fun for us to combine their numbers and show them to them, of which they're very happy about so so that they're doing their part. So we can score double figures at the one, two, three, four, and five. And uh, it's, um, it does add to uh, the frustration of trying to limit certain things that we do. Interesting. That's a, a great way of looking at it. Quickly, uh, do you know your your travel plans? I suspect, obviously, it's going to be by bus, but will you be stopping at L.L. Bean on the way up? Well, we have an L.L. Bean right in uh, no, Center but, Valley. Yeah, but you don't yeah. have an L.L. Bean like they do in Freeport, Fred. That's well, that, I, it's I, another I city up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe me, I've been there, uh, but uh, our girls uh, are typical uh, middle-class kids. The money they have might be a couple extra pennies left over from their meal money. Yeah, uh, they're they're not of the age for LL Bean to begin with, <laughs> and uh, that that's my age store. And uh, hey, so, uh, I like that, that place exciting. too, Fred. <laughs> that's what I mean. <laughs> Ew, gee, you're calling me old, or are you calling you young? Which one? <laughs> uh, no, I'm calling you middle aged. I think. Oh, uh, that, okay. I got to be realistic. Today, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Today, teenagers just don't shop that much at LL Bean. They really Fair. don't. Fair, fair. It's a wonderful place. I'll say that much. It was a, a shameless oh, plug for me, and that place is that place went from a, sm, a small, a regular little store to a g- ginormous campus in my time yeah. up there. And it's amazing. So I just had to sneak that one in. Um, yeah, how are your travel plans, though? Are you guys heading up on Wednesday or Thursday? What, what's the battle plan? And I'm figuring what about an eight-hour trip? Uh, we have. Um, somebody said six hours, six. Minutes. I'm thinking seven, seven and a half. Okay. Our yeah. mind is we, we want to leave on Wednesday after we get a practice in, in the morning. Got it. So that we have some rest for Thursday and Friday um, and go from there. So uh, we haven't uh, gotten that into full tilt yet, although the NCAA organization that uh, pushes, well, we have to use their bus transportation, go through them, has already suggested that we leave on Wednesday. And, and I agree, but... Uh, Gracia Pirelli, our women's administrator, will be meeting tomorrow and getting those details straightened out. Well, it's fun to have be talking about those details this time of year. That is for sure. How about it? Yeah. How about it? Well, hey, appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us, talking about your Bulldogs and having some fun with us as well. Congratulations at uh, at winning and moving on. Good luck this weekend. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in? Well, I, I think it's an honor to, to be involved with these three hoops that I've been in this a long time. You've done wonderful things for Division Three basketball, and, and I, I just uh, I just appreciate what you do. Well, thank you. I appreciate the time. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, good luck. Keep BJ in line for me, if you don't mind. Uh, keep, I will do that. Keep Mark in line, since I know he's listening. Keep him in line for me as well. And, uh, I will do that as well. Awesome. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Absolutely. Again. Take care. Fred Richter joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, the Bulldogs heading up to Bowdoin, Maine. Uh, where they will take on, um, well, not Bowdoin, Maine, Brunswick, Maine. They're heading up to Bowdoin. They'll take on Ithaca in their first game. Should they win, it's New Paltz or Bowdoin on the other side. We'll take a break. When we come back, Christopher Newport's men, women's basketball coach, Bill Broderick, joins us in a pre-recorded segment. And just a reminder, Dave Hickson, who was originally scheduled to be on the show, unfortunately unable to, to join us tonight, uh, we will catch up with him in the near future. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. We'll be back with more uh, after this.
being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. Welcome to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW-Eau Claire has been ranked a top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Director's Cup Top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student athletes. UW-Eau Claire is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold? My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here, and that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, as we continue along here tonight, if you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com. You can also join us on Facebook where we're simulcasting the show, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Also simulcasting it on Periscope, trying to answer many of your questions. If we have a number of you watching, we certainly appreciate that. Hope you're enjoying the show. It has been a good one so far to say the least. Obviously, we're marching towards the Sweet 16s taking place next Friday. We'll talk a little bit about more, a little more about the weekend coming up. A little bit of a recap of this weekend certainly coming up. But we have one more interview in the show. Bill Broderick's squad at Christopher Newport has been playing very well, a little bit more under the radar than they have been maybe in the last handful of years. Uh, they got past or they got into the second weekend thanks to a win at home uh, against the home team Gettysburg, and then dismantled Mount St. Mary in the second round. They are one of only two teams to defeat a home team on the opening weekend of the tournament. We had a chance to talk to Bill a little bit earlier today. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the captains of Christopher Newport women's basketball, Bill Broderick. And coach, as, as always, thanks for taking the time to join us. Uh, thank you so much, Dave. I uh, appreciate you having me. Well, I, it makes it easier um, for us, at least. Uh, again, pre-recorded interview. Uh, as as life is busy for everybody, um, appreciate finding time today to talk about your squad at twenty-five and five. 
obviously a great weekend ups, uh, upsetting. Uh, let's just say upending Gettysburg, I would say, in the opening game, which was a thriller down to the end, and then putting your foot down on Mount St. Mary. Uh, I guess it couldn't go any better. Uh, yeah, I mean, we uh, we knew we were going to have a tough weekend, and obviously the first game, uh, you know, anytime you're on a, you know, the home court there, that's yeah. – uh, that makes for a pretty tough game, and uh, you know they're they're a really good team. And I'll tell you, the crowd—they uh, had almost a thousand uh, students mm-hmm. there, and um, you know they're really really well coached. And so yeah, we we knew it was going to be a tough game. So we were uh, felt very very fortunate to come out on the other end. Yeah, you got—they were up by eight uh, at the end of the first quarter, pretty much a tie ball game at the end of the second. And then you two kind of you know, slugged it out for the third and fourth quarters. Uh, I noticed you guys shot about 44%. They shot 46%. You know, everybody shot decently from outside. Free throws were obviously being hit. Rebounds are a battle. They actually out-rebounded you by four. Maybe not surprisingly. It's not, you guys don't have a ton of of height. But they they don't either, unless they have Han in the game, or Hunter in the game for long periods of time. And she did play 26 minutes. How did that game kind of break down in your favor? Was it the defensive pressure that you guys were able to, to kind of withstand um, that you know got you 10 points and 18 turnovers on their part? Or was there something offensively you guys doing that just worked better against them? Um, you know, I think we, uh, we definitely came out a little slow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they really jumped on us and kind of fed off fed off the crowd and I think they were up by uh, 13 or 14 I think at Mm -hmm. one point in the first half and so um, we did we pretty much went right back to our staple uh, you know our defense our pressure defense and and pushing the ball and uh, you know Keanu Kirkland really stepped up for us and you know had 20 in the first half and um, yeah I think once we got it back within striking distance, then, you know, we felt better. And we knew it was just going to be uh, one of those games where, you know, the team that makes the, the last play down the stretch will probably win it. So uh, I was telling Coach Davis, uh, just a great, uh, great, great college basketball game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, good two good teams going back and forth. Uh, you held Dorsheimer to 14 <clears throat> points, which I think is somewhat of a of a pretty impressive <laughs> feat. So she went four for eight from outside, got past them. Then you took on Mount St. Mary. And, you know, that game, you got up early quick. They came back on you. That first quarter was tight. You put your foot down in the second quarter. You then put your foot down again in the fourth quarter. Kind of made that game a, a mute point. Was we, the matchup just work in your favor in that one? Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, talking with their coach after the, you know, the fact that they had to play against, you know, probably the two teams that play the fastest in the country in one weekend, (laughs) you know, and, and, um, you know, and only really playing nine players in their rotation and, you know, Westfield state, they, I mean, they had a great game against Westfield state. They were down Mm -hmm. 11 or 12 in the first half and, and really came back. And so we, we knew we were going to be in for a tough battle and they weren't going to go away easy. And so I think, you know, I think it was just really a combination of maybe a good matchup for us, but also, you know, those guys having to expend so much energy on the first game and then even in the first half. And so I think when you're only playing nine and you're playing two games back to back and, mm-hmm. you know, less than 24 hours at that pace when you're maybe not necessarily used to it, I think it probably just, uh, you know, probably eventually just took a toll on them. Yeah, it certainly makes some sense. 
Uh, this is a team that's, I guess, really the Mid-Atlantic in general feels like it's flown a little under the radar. And, of course, I'm, I'm firmly planted in the center of the Mid-Atlantic and seen a lot of these teams. But it feels like the Centennial and the CAC and, and the Landmark, except for maybe Scranton, has kind of flown a little under the radar. You guys, again, with five losses, they kind of got – it kind of got spread out in the middle third of the season, as it were. I think it, as a result, some people have, have missed the fact that you're on, I think, something like a 14-game uh, winning streak, if or maybe I'm doing my math wrong, three, six, nine. Okay, we'll make it 11-game winning streak at this point. Is that a is that almost helped you guys a little bit, that the spotlight hasn't been firmly on the captains most of this season? Yeah, you know, we um, th- this has been a really unique uh, season for us, and I think you know coming in we were we were actually picked first in our conference, yeah. which I was I was actually surprised because um, <laughs> I thought we really had um, a lot of teams that could have been in there. I, I think it was um, you know one of those seasons where really any of the top seven really probably could have won it, and so you know once we ended up. Uh, you know, we, we did not have a lot of experience back. We do have three seniors, but we only have one junior and two yeah. sophomores and 10 freshmen. Um, we ended up having, you know, seven major injuries this year mm. to people that um, missed a lot of time. Uh, we have three players that are out for the season. And so we've really had to rely on a young group there. And so I think in the middle, we were just really trying to, you know, uh, overcome some of those injuries and get some of our freshman experience and, and just really kind of get things together, playing, uh, playing our best basketball at the end of the season. And so, so I think that's how uh, things kind of unfolded a little bit, Um, you know, in talking about the region and, you know, being on the rack, uh, the mid Atlantic rack is, you know, I think, you know, Scranton obviously is, uh, you know, is always going to get the respect um, uh, that is obviously due to them as one of the top teams in the program um, in the country, I should say. But, you know, also when you look at it, uh, you know, there are 16 teams left and, you know, three of them are from our region. And, you know, Haverford obviously had a, you know, phenomenal game against Tufts. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, the toughest thing was is we had, you know, this year we had six teams from our region uh, in the tournament. But, unfortunately, four of us were in the same pods. Yeah. And two of us matched up with each other in the first round. And then there was another matchup in the second round. So yeah. we were – basically eliminating each other. And now three of us that are all left are all in the same pot again. So, (laughs) so, you know, uh, I guess that's maybe just kind of how it happens sometimes. But um, so I think if we were actually spread out a little bit more, um, you know, who knows what could happen, but I, I think, you know, maybe we didn't get maybe some of the same headlines as some of the other uh, schools, but you know, Messiah's whatever, twenty-eight and one, and Scranton's twenty-seven and two, and we're twenty-five and five. And like I said, Gettysburg, I think, could have easily won a pod if uh, they got a different draw. So Haverford. So I think we're every bit as strong. Uh, we just maybe didn't have quite as many teams. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting way of looking at it. And obviously, you you've been on the rack along with geez, a who's who list in the Mid Atlantic of coaches uh those those mid-atlantic calls most may be both fascinating and silent for for many reasons because all you guys coming off the calls when your own teams are being discussed but we'll move on 
the the old adage is at this point in the season, freshmen are no longer freshmen. That said, you're in the NCAA tournament. You got to introduce them to that experience. How much are how much did it take them to kind of get up to speed this week, or were they ready the way you guys just normally play? It was a normal game. Um, you know, I think they did get a lot of experience, so I think they were probably ready than more ready than most freshmen. But I, I still think once you um, once you get into that environment and the credentials come out and the limitations on practices and you know you definitely feel a, a different vibe and then to come in that environment with that type of crowd um, you know I definitely think uh, you know you saw a little bit of wide eyed there early but I think once we just kind of got into doing what we do um, you know it was just kind of old hand up. Mm-hmm. Talking to Bill Broderick here, head coach of the Christopher Newport Captains. They move on in the NC tournament to the second weekend. Uh, you were talking about knocking off mid-Atlantic teams or, or facing each other in the same pod. You've got Scranton at Scranton. Uh, not an unfamiliar foe. And again, tongue-in-cheek about the, the conference to some or the uh, rack to some degree. You know Scranton well and you know their coaching staff well i know it's just sunday here but how are you prepping for that game and is there any game from earlier in the season that you can tap into to kind of get your team's mindset ready for what scranton will bring to the table um you know i've I've watched a little bit of film and um you know obviously being in our region you know very familiar with um with both them and we had a chance to play messiah this year so mm-hmm. pretty familiar with everybody but you know we haven't uh dove into it too much you know we were waiting to uh see where we were going i was you know pretty sure geographically that uh we would be either at scranton or messiah but um so yeah i mean they're obviously um a very very tough opponent um you know, trying to play them at their place in front of their crowd with the experience that they have and, the, um, you know, just the history of the program. We know it's going to be a very, a very difficult uh, task for us. And, you know, looking at it at the middle of the season when, you know, we had lost a handful of games, we were, you know, we were three games uh, behind uh, in our own conference. And so I think at that point there were a lot of people that counted us out that, you know, we would even be in the tournament. So to be at this point and, and to overcome and, uh, you know, get to the point where we are and now to make it, you know, back to a fourth sweet 16 in a row. Um, it, it's just, you know, I'm just really, really proud of uh, my young ladies. And I think at this point, you know, it's not very often in our program that we get the chance to be the underdog. And so, you know, these last, uh, these last few games actually being the underdog and, uh, really having no pressure on us, just the ability to go out and, you know, challenge the home team is, is a nice position to be in. So, And we talked about the middle of the season. At one point you guys lost four of nine games, five of 13. Um, in, in, for anybody else, that's okay, fine. You know, that's, we can handle that. For, for your program, the where you guys have come, that's abnormal to some degree. We're not used to that in the last handful of years. What was the turning point to get into what is now this 11-game losing streak, the last game coming to obviously a tough place and a tough coach to go against in York? You then had St. Mary's after that, but it's not like it got any easier because you had Southern Virginia to get past as well. What turned after that stretch to get you where you are now? Um, 
you know, I think there were a handful of things. I mean, you know, we really had to come to grips uh, with losing our starting point guard and our leader, um, which is always difficult. Talking about a three-year starter. Um, and then we lost our backup point guard um, for the year. And so, you know, having to go to a freshman point guard um, and a few other people, I think there was just kind of that shell shock a little bit and, and kind of, okay, wow, it's really me. I have to step up. And so, so I think, you know, once our young kids really embrace that role, I think some of the other, um, you know, seniors and junior and sophomores really stepped up. And so once we started just kind of putting those pieces together, um, you know, I think they, they got that experience and we got a few people back from injury. And that's, I think that's kind of what got the, uh, what, we got the ball rolling. You know, our our defensive system is is pretty complicated um, for a lot of people who haven't had a chance to watch us play. And so, you know, it really takes, um, you know, it takes our freshmen a little while to pick it up. And so I think that was another big thing of them just really figuring out the system, being that it's just, um, you know, so unique and um, just not something they're used to doing. So I think a lot of those combinations have really put us, uh, put us to the point now and people kind of figuring out their roles and, you know, all of those things when you're kind of putting together a new team. Quickly talk about the, the leading scores. You got four <clears throat> essentially in double figures. You got Kiana Kirkland leading the way at 12 points a game. You also have Jessica uh, Digeel, who's uh, nearly, well, almost a double double 10.6 points, 7.1 mm-hmm. rebounds. Uh, you got Sa- uh, Sandra Fan at 10.5, and, and I always round up. Jessica Foster at 9.8 is really a double figure score mm-hmm. for you as well. And and that's not against Tanner or Twellinger is either because they score plenty of points as well. It almost feels like pick your poison to some degree when a team matches up with you. Yeah, you know, that's kind of been one of our calling cards uh, really since I've been here. Um, you know, last year, you know, averaging basically about the same amount of points, close to 80 a game. And, you know, last year we didn't even have a single single digit score. So, so this year for us to have four double digit scores, even though maybe they're barely, um, has been a little bit unique for us, but yeah, we've never, we've never relied on one person. Uh, we've just tried to kind of take advantage of where we feel our uh, strengths are and where we match up. Um, I think, you know, we, we, we obviously play one way defensively, um, but offensively, we, we've got a lot of versatility and we can play a lot of play a lot of different ways. Um, you know, we can score inside. Uh, we obviously are shooting the ball really well from outside. Um, and we probably, you know, penetrate better than either of those. So, so we can really score in a lot of different ways. I think it's just a matter of what, you know, what the other opponent is doing and, you know, where we can kind of capitalize. Well, I appreciate the time, as always, breaking down your team. Uh, good luck against Scranton coming up on Friday. Game time looks to be about 7 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing that matchup and many others uh, as we whittle our way to Salem, Virginia, which, geez, for you guys, if you're there, is essentially a home game on the other <laughs> side of the state. As always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those, those who may be tuned in? Yeah, I, I think first uh, what I'd like to say is um, – just really give a big shout out and a, and a thank you to all the folks over at Gettysburg. 
Um, they did a phenomenal job this past weekend and uh, really took care of us and the other teams and, you know, made it a great experience for our young ladies and uh, everything that Coach Davis and their staff out there, totally first class. And so we, we really, really appreciate that. Uh, and then secondly, uh, it's really just a thanks to you and, and your staff and all of the coverage that you provide for uh, women's basketball in Division Three. Uh, you know, it's really nice for our, our players and our families and our fans to have such a source to go to and really stay in the know. So really appreciate all your hard work. And, uh, you know, we're just looking, uh, looking forward to having an opportunity to, you know, to play a team like Scranton and uh, doing the best we can and leaving it all on the court this weekend. Well said. Thank you for the time. Take care of yourself and uh, at least safe travels. Oh, thank you, Dave. Absolutely. Bill Broderick joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, Christopher Newport heading off to Scranton, and well, they'll play Scranton, the hosts, on Friday. When we come back, we'll continue talking to some of the women's programs who are still dancing in the tournament. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us, and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports listeners dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this Sunday evening, the uh, 3rd of March, 2019, as we wrap things up from the Hoopsville studios uh, after four straight days of broadcasting. And I, I did the math 
between uh, last Sunday and tonight, we've had one, I did the math now, I've forgotten, one, two, three, four, five, six programs plus other productions in here. If you haven't gotten used to these studios, I'm sorry. Don't know what you've been watching. Uh, we even cleaned them up a little bit. Again, shout out and thanks to Ryan Scott and Gordon Mann for coming into the studios again to do Whip Around. It was fun. Uh, I'll admit Friday was overwhelming. <laughs> Ryan and I trying to keep track of 64 games was a bit insane. Uh, but Gordon getting in here for the 32 was outstanding. A lot of fun, uh, to say the least. And we appreciate all of you who tuned in as well. Uh, wish there were more of you, but we certainly had a lot of you. And want to thank NCAA and Turner Sports as well for allowing us to do the programming. Um, what was the other thing? Um, I will not be traveling this weekend coming up. I have got commitments um, at other locations that pay the bills. So for the first time in absolutely forever, I am not traveling to see any games ahead of the uh, Final Four. It's a catch-22, and it's just the way it is. But I'll certainly be watching plenty of games on Friday and watching the games on Saturday as we prepare. I will be in Fort Wayne, as uh, as I traditionally follow the men. So the first time I'll be traveling to Fort Wayne. And the women... Um, We'll uh, be in Salem. A reminder, Visit Fort Wayne is looking for you for the Final Four in men's basketball, and City of Salem is looking for you in uh, on the women's side. So get your tickets today. Listen, come even if you don't have a team. It is absolutely worth it. The All-Star Games are outstanding. I'm trying to remember some of the timelines. I know a lot of you have these questions. I don't have it off the top of my head, but all regions will come out, I think, by the end of the week. There's, or maybe it's, no, 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 no. All region deadline is is up tonight, and then voting I think takes place this week. And I think all regions come out the beginning of next week, and then all all Americans come out right before the championship games uh, for both men and women. Um, all star team I believe will have the men's uh, vote for the last two players sometime this week, though I'm honestly forgetting some of these factors. Um, the women will be having a vote. We'll have more information on that at a later time. Um, and then usually those rosters are finally announced early the week of the championships because championship weekend because or the championship week because game, teams are still in place and players who may or may not be on them will be in there as well. So, you know, uh, that stuff's all next week. So this week's kind of a little bit quiet. We'll have plenty of coverage at d3hoops.com. We'll be on the air Hoopsville with Thursday. Now, Thursday's show, I think I think we'll be live. One of the commitments that has me locked down on Saturday or this weekend has a little bit of me on Thursday, potentially. I, I need to double-check if there's a game Thursday or not that I need to be a part of. I don't think there is, thus we'll be live. If for some reason we I do have to be committed elsewhere, we will still put a show together for Thursday uh, and just publish it on Thursday. Uh, it'll be a podcast, no video on that in that sense. But there will be a show Thursday, whether it's live or pre-taped, uh, is yet to be determined. So bear with us with that. But stay with us on Twitter. Stay with us on um, Facebook and elsewhere. We'll we'll announce those things uh, when we can. By the way, the Justin's finalists are out. There is plenty to go through to determine who we think is the best overall player. Remember, the Jostens Award is not about just who's the best player on the floor. It's also about who excels in the classroom and in their community. 
Um, the finalists is, is a who's who list. On the men's side, Ben Boots from Oshkosh, Austin Cohn from Roger Williams, Cooper Cook from Nebraska Wesleyan, Robert Duax from Platteville, Nolan Ebel from Augustana, Marcus Echeverria from, Echeverria from Nichols, Cam Fales from Hanover, Ashton Francis from Wheaton, Sam Gabbard from UC Santa Cruz, and Jordan Jenkins from Willamette. On the women's side, it's Laura Bondi from Smith, Emma Dorsheimer from Gettysburg, Hillary Hellman from Case Western, Maya Howard from DePaul, Brianna Moore from Bridgewater, uh, Hannah Neald from Gallaudet, uh, Victoria Penna from UT Dallas, Hannah Spaulding from St. Thomas, Madison Temple from Thomas Moore, and Jess Vol uh, Volmelker from Teal. Um, some vote on just the player primarily. Some, like myself, in uh, consider all three very much like the Gallardi trophy by the way I should point out um, if you're wondering about the kind of trophy it doesn't mean it's the same as the player of the year from D3 hoops that is an that is an on the court thing primarily so you can have different winners in that category just as the Gallardi trophy and the player of the year can be different uh, winners in that category uh, as well so the Jostens is out that is a fun thing um, looking forward to going through all these resumes um, though sometimes it can be overwhelming, and I certainly look back at my college days and realize how much I wasn't that I wasn't that kind of student. Um, I got plenty out of my college and my education, but these students uh, take the term student athlete to a whole other level, and they should be proud of themselves to even being named finalists. Um, so again, the hosts have been announced on the women's side. Uh, really, to be honest with you, if you were with us with Whip Around, we we knew where these were going. Um, Thomas Moore will be hosting the Thomas Moore Transylvania Mayor Hart and Baylor Wash U pod. Scranton will be hosting the Scranton Christopher Newport Messiah Tufts pod. St. Thomas will be hosting the St. Thomas Amherst Oshkosh Wartburg pod. DeSale, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Bowden will be hosting the DeSales Ithaca SUNY, Paltz, SUNY New Paltz Bowden pod. The only thing that's odd about it is the only one that's not at the top of those of those brackets, which is traditionally where the NCAA will put a, a team that's probably a shoe in for hosting is Bowden, but that's the right decision based on criteria. Um, it, you know, listen, I think it's wide open at this point. I don't think you can pick. Listen, Warburg's playing phenomenal. Uh, Thomas Moore is playing well. Granted, those were the first two challenging games that they've had since beginning of. January. I mean, they nearly went eight weeks without some serious competition. Um, but you, Transylvania impressed me this weekend. Um, Scranton's playing well. Christopher Newport impressed me. Messiah is is tough to read. They're sneaky good, it feels like. Tufts is always good, though they nearly got knocked off, obviously, by Haverford. St. Thomas is good. Amherst is good. We mentioned about Warburg. DeSales, we talked to them. Very good. Ithaca. Hard to gauge, really defensive-minded unit there. New Paltz is clearly a good program, and Bowden is obviously good. So I think it's wide open. I don't think you can circle in who is exactly going to be playing for uh, in the semifinals in, uh, or who we will be talking about in a week's time. On the men's side, again, these hosts are no surprise, folks, and and I understand some of the arguments out there, but uh, we'll we'll leave the one of them for last, but Oshkosh is hosting St. Thomas, Guilford, and and Loris. Um, there was some talk that maybe that could go to Loris. I, I just didn't feel that was in the cards. I think Oshkosh's resume was probably better, but it's certainly an interesting conversation. Um, obviously, that was going 
well, you can't even say it was going to Nebraska Wesleyan for sure, though it probably would have. Guilford threw the the monkey wrench into that. Wittenberg um, being a, a busing option there would have changed that up a little bit. Augustana is hosting, and the only reason they're hosting is because uh, some things didn't go the way the committee anticipated them going. I mean, I think the committee expected Worcester to get through, and that would have uh, allowed possibly a hosting opportunity maybe at Wheaton. Well, not at Wheaton. Obviously, Wheaton's the one that got through. So Worcester probably would have ended up hosting that if they had won because um, you can't get Marietta to Augustana, for example, or Oswego to Augustana, so they would have gone to Worcester. So Wheaton winning that threw a monkey wrench into that, and Marietta to Wheaton is a couple miles over 500. Um, listen, if we were really penny-pitching, they would have said, listen, they're a couple miles over 500. By by that, we're going to make them bus, and we're going to save money. We're sending this to Wheaton. But no, they're going to Augustana. Oswego's got to fly. Marietta could fly. It's up to them um, if they want to. They may very well bus. Amherst is hosting. You you know, last year, this was the one where Swarthmore got the weekend that kind of surprised everybody. But Amherst was obviously a shoe in here. Randolph-Macon was the only other one that would have had an opportunity at it, but I think losing in the ODAC championship ended that opportunity. So Amherst hosting. Nichols is obviously nearby. Swarthmore is not that far away. Randolph-Macon's got the longest trip here, up 95 um, to some degree. To be honest, they'll head up 95. Well, I mean, there's an outside chance. I guess they could jump on 15 and, and go around Baltimore and D.C., but I don't think it's worth the effort. So they'll probably take 95 up through Jersey, up the Turnpike. Um, now they could cross through New York and then and then go to the southern side of Connecticut up through Hartford, but my, I would tell them to go up over the Tappan what I call the Tappan Zee, the old Tappan Zee, now the new whatever bridge, and, and go up through that way. But that's how Randolph-Macon will get there. Upper left, there was some talk about why isn't Whitman hosting, and I'm going to be blunt here. I think we aren't understanding how lucky – we got to see Whitman hosting last this this weekend to see the opening two rounds in Whitman because remember George Fox did not host on the women's side and George Fox and Whitman scenarios were very much identical. Um, George Fox being the only team out of the Northwest Conference, there is a handful of teams in Texas. Obviously, there were three teams in Texas, and that might have changed the women's conversation slightly. Um, and there was a team in the West in the Skyac. In the men's side, there were just two teams in Texas. If we were talking about pinching pennies and limiting flights, the NCAA would have come back to the men's committee and said, you need to fly Whitman and that Skyac to Texas, and you're hosting a pod in Texas. We would have been up in arms about it. We would have been angry about it. We would have been irate about it. We would have been pissed about it. Rightly so, because Whitman deserves to maybe host. But that's how it's been over the years. And Whitman hosted, and they sent three teams there. They flew a California team and two Texas teams there. To then indicate that we should have Whitman in the current structure of budgets, that Whitman should be the ones hosting this weekend too, I think is a little bit ludicrous. And, and, and yes, I'm using a big word there. Would I like to see Whitman hosting? Absolutely. Do they deserve it? Maybe. Let's not forget Whitman's resume when it comes to criteria is not earth-shattering. It's good, though. Don't get me wrong. As the number two team in the country, 
Okay, sure, we can make that argument, but that's not part of the conversation, the NCAA. But to send three teams there the first weekend, then send another three teams there the second weekend, that's six flights. We hardly ever see six flights in a tournament, period. We will see how many. Let's just say mileage-wise, we're going to see Whitman, Christopher Newport, Marietta, Oswego, Guilford. So five flights this weekend. If that had gone to Whitman instead, we would have seen Williams, Christopher Newport, Hamilton, Guilford, Oswego, and Marietta. Six flights. So it's a it's a savings of one flight after we already spent three flights in the first weekend just to one city. Just to one city. So we're going to have eight flights this tournament, and we're asking for nine. And that sounds like nothing, but that's enough. I'll, I'll, I'll kid you not. The eight flights that we have on the men's bracket, and, and flights is a relative term, understanding that Marietta may bus. But the fact that there's eight flights on that we're seeing, don't be surprised if next year there's handcuffs on the men's committee. I'll say it now. Do not be surprised if next year we are restricted on the men's side of seeing flights, of seeing creative, flexible options. Let's say Whitworth and Whitman get back in next year. Granted, two very different teams, but let's just say it gets back in. And everyone's screaming bloody murder. Those two teams should be separated. How much you want to bet it doesn't happen because there's eight flights. And we're asking for nine? That's my point. We, we have a limited budget in Division Three. If, if people want to see all these flights, we need to find a way to bring in more money to Division Three. And for all of you saying we need to make Division Three more than 3.18% of the budget, I absolutely agree with you. But you need to get D1 and D2 to accept that as well. Because that you have to change a constitutional bedrock of the NCAA to change that to allow more money into into doing that and for those of you who say well you know spend less money on grants spend less money on these educational things spend less money in that 25 percent of division three's budget where we're spending x y and z on except that a vast majority of division three's membership likes how division three is spending its money three quarters of the 35 38 million dollars but allocated in the budget goes towards the 28 championships plus other championships and other, all that. All the championships is 75% of the Division Three budget. 25% of the budget is administrative, grants, programs, etc., educational things, etc. I don't know if I want to dip any further into that 25% and take other opportunities away from student-athletes other than championships. Remember, the NCAA isn't just about championships. And apparently a large portion of Division Three feels the same way. Membership is always quizzed about these things. And they overwhelmingly come back saying, we want to keep the way that we're spending money the way it is. Very few come back saying, spend more money and take it from that 25%. So we have to work in the, guy, in, in, in the, in the world we work in. And don't confuse me explaining this and defending the point as suddenly being f or being for the idea. I would love to see change, and we have fought for change quite often on this show and at d3hoops.com, and we've seen change. But that does not mean I'm unrealistic to the world out there. Until I see membership, that means Division three institutions 
and Division III conferences, until I see a groundswell that from that group that decides we want to spend our money differently, or they can somehow get a groundswell in Division II and Division I to get, let's say, an increase to 4%, which would basically bring in another 10 to $15 million a year. Going from 3.18% to 4% would bring in 10 to $15 more million a year about. Until I see those groundswells, until I see those those movements, I know it's not realistic. And and to talk about these ideas as if it's unfair and we need to fix it, okay, we can talk about it, but be realistic. Until you can get a majority of Division Three to say, we want to spend 80% of the budget on championships. And by the way, what we do for basketball, we need to do for all sports. If we're going to spend more money on a championship, sending more flights in men's basketball, well, we're going to do it in women's basketball. We're going to do it in football. We're going to do it in soccer. We're going to do it in lacrosse. We're going to do it everywhere. Until I see that movement, I can't be realistic and talk about that, right? That's not helpful. It's pipe dreams. So, in t- so let's be smart here. Stop making the, the arguments that it's unfair and that we should be spending money a certain way. Because, let's, because that's not how the division has felt about it in a vast majority of the division. And I'll repeat, until a groundswell in Division Three decides that 75% is not enough, that it needs to be 80% of its budget goes to championships. And by the way, decides also where the 5% is getting cut or 85% and where the 10% is being cut, wherever. Until that happens, we cannot sit here and talk about pipe dreams of sending three teams to Whitman two weekends in a row. And again, it's going to be every single sport because what you do for one, you need to do for all. I would love to see 4% of the NCAA operating budget for Division Three. I'd love to see 5% of the operating budget for Division Three. But that money's D1's earned. That budget comes primarily from D1 men's basketball. And until you can convince Division One, which has the second biggest division out there, that you should get more money, it's not happening. And by the way, remember... I had an idea in January of how to pull, maybe pull that off. But it's not helpful to argue about this. It's not, it's right. Okay, we're going to blow the budget and next year, no one's getting flights. I'm just, that's, that's the parameters we need to talk about in this stuff. I want to see Whitman host the first, the both weekends and have six teams fly there. That'd be beautiful, wouldn't it? But it's not realistic. We keep talking in pipe dreams when we need to talk in realism. I'll get off my soapbox. I think I saw some tweets coming in. I don't know if they had anything to do with the show. They do not, so we won't worry about it. Now we'll wrap up things here on the show tonight. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Oh, uh, Jake Bozen says, Dave, when you get a chance, you've got to check out the Twitter back and forth between Pat and the Whitworth head coach. I don't quite understand the issue. Maybe you can opine sometime. Jake, I just did. I don't know if you just messaged that far earlier ago, but I just did. 
I'm fully aware of that back and forth. And, and nothing against those who are arguing it's not fair. I understand the point of view. I understand the argument. But it's not realistic. We have gotten more money into championships. We've gotten more flights. We need more money. If you think about it, Division Three contributes its dues to the overall budget of the, of the NCAA. Division One and Two granted Division Three the right to keep all of the money from its increase. So Division Three went, or the NCAA, its dues are about nine hundred dollars a school originally, you know, three four years ago. Division Three voted to double that essentially. The problem was Division Three would have only been able to keep 3.18% of that total money because it goes into the NCA coffer and Division Three gets 3.18%. So imagine, just so you know, Division One's dues, Division Two's dues, those dues go in too, and you get 3.18%. Division One and Division Two allowed Division Three to keep the doubled money. They aren't taking that doubled money, but it only equals about a half a million dollars every year. It only equals about a half a million dollars. So we're contributing tiddlywinks to the entire operating budget. We are getting 3.18% of it, which is D1's money. I'd love to see an increase, but we're not bringing any money to the table, folks. We're not. In Division Three. we're not bringing money. We're not bringing sponsors. We're not bringing advertisers. We're not bringing anything to the table. Anyway, I'm going too far. Congratulations to Whitman. By the way, they're very realistic of their situation. They're heading to Hamilton. I would love to be in Hamilton, by the way. That's my old family. That's my family school up there. I didn't I I, I applied to Hamilton. I was denied, probably pretty rightly, despite the fact I had uh, quite a bit of legacy there at the school. I was denied. I've had several cousins who have gone to that school and excelled. Uh one of my cousins was the first senior to have a a, a a singing recital who wasn't a, a major in music. I had another cousin who was captain of the women's soccer team. I had another cousin who graduated from there. I've had other relatives. My grandfather was the uh, was a trustee emeritus until his death. He and his he and his my grandmother and he are both buried at Hamilton. I would love to be at Hamilton this weekend to see those games. It would be awesome. Unfortunately, I can't go. <laughs> so enjoy it up there, Continentals. And uh, Aunt BJ, um, maybe you can tell Nitsa that she needs to go to a, a couple of games this weekend. Though Nitsa might be there, for all I know. Maybe Aunt Jeannie, Uncle Tom, and Emily and the rest can show up at Hamilton and support the, support the, the effort for me. On that note, I'm going to sign off. Thank you so much. Got a little deep in there about the budget stuff, and I kind of got repetitive. I apologize for that. But uh, thank you all the, all the same for listening in. Um, Want to thank our guests, Mike Schauer from Wheaton, Tom Palumbo from Guilford, Randy Henderson from WashU, Fred Richter from DeSales, and Bill Broderick from Christopher Newport, uh, especially their sports information directors as well. Um, it, it, we can't do this without their support a lot of the times, and that that goes without saying to some degree. At Amherst, I want to thank Craig at WashU, Kevin and um, Chris. Of course, at Wheaton, I want to thank uh, Rusty and Brett from DeSales. I want to thank BJ. And for Christopher Newport, I want to thank Rob and Francis. Unfortunately, couldn't get Dave Hickson on the show. Um, had to cancel at the last minute. Totally understand. We will try and get him on Thursday's show. We also may be talking a little bit more about Salem and uh, Fort Wayne on Thursday's show as well. Stay with us, whether it will be live or pre-taped. We're still finding 
figuring out some details on that. But follow us on Twitter and Facebook for that information. And that should do it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. You've been listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. I want to thank our partners with the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, the uh, National Association of Basketball Coaches, also Blue Frame Technology, Wisconsin-Eau Claire, uh, and, of course, City of Salem and Visit Fort Wayne. Um, get your Final Four tickets. Absolutely needed. I want to thank all of you for tuning in as well. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your nights to join us. If you happen to be listening to us on the podcast or watching the show back on demand, we appreciate that as well. And that's it. We'll see you back here Thursday. And don't forget, next Sunday, we start prepping and looking ahead at the final fours in men's and women's basketball. You've been listening to D3. You've been listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. If you want to talk about Division Three basketball, you've got to watch Hoopsville. Good night. We'll see you back here on Thursday.